Matthew chapter 1. I just want to take a minute and say thank you for your faithfulness on a Wednesday night. and um, Thank you for your faithfulness um, as I'm gone and very few churches can truly function the way this does um, whenever God opens doors for us to be able to go out and preach and minister. Um, it's truly a supernatural work of the Lord. Um, God has spoke that for years that that would happen. This church had a apostolic anointing on it and that God would send people out of here. Um, and so... Just some amazing things are happening um, around the world. and You know, it seemed like two years ago, last year, when God kind of shut down foreign missions, some us going, God really began to open doors here, you know, in, in America, uh, began to open some doors. And um, I, I just say thank you for allowing me to go and travel. Um, I want to say thank you. I'll back all the way up. I'm sure Brother Mike wouldn't. Uh, mind me saying this, um, it's really just a testimony to Jesus and a testimony to this church. Back during our camp meeting, um, before I preached, I believe I called Ryan or somebody, and I think he had Sister Stacy set up a bucket of water and um, a towel. I wasn't supposed to preach that night, as we all know, Brother Duke Downs was supposed to, and um, long story short, I ended up preaching and I'd had awed in my heart for some time. And, um, and sometimes it's not even awe, it's just hurt. But if you don't deal with hurt, you know, I hate to say that it was awe, but it can turn into that, I mean, just like that fast. It's like you're back and forth. But uh, at the root of all that, I was just hurt. And so therefore, I would maybe, you know, have thoughts or battles. Long story short, God knows what he's doing. Amen. And so that night, I, I didn't know who would be here, but God did. And he just said, have the water, the pail, and the towel ready. You'll wash feet tonight. So that night, Brother Mike was here. And um, God told him that night there were two different families that had left his church. And he was hurt from it. And God said, when you get back home, he said, buy a pail and buy a towel. And he said, keep it ready. He said, because those two families are coming back and you will wash their feet. So Jesus said in John 13, I've set you an example to do. Do as I have done. And so that night his heart was pricked to do that. And so he's had it ready ever since. Sunday morning was just ministering the word. And the Holy Ghost just spoke. Be prepared. For those that have left you to return like Joseph's brothers. And because of your preparation, you will be the pr provision for their life. That night, the first couple walked through the church doors. And Brother Mike Chisholm washed their feet. And God restored. The day that I left, the second couple that God showed him in that chair right there. Came through the church doors, and Brother Mike washed their feet. And they said, the glory of God fell. And so, no wonder that you have fought hell. 
You see, God sees that down the road. Amen. God sees that. And so no wonder you have fought hell. This church has fought hell the way that we have since our camp meeting because so many things were done in the spirit realm that we don't even know about that God sees down the road. And so Satan would love to bring discouragement, you know, to us, discontentment, you know, and say, what's it even worth? And so just know that there are things going on in people's lives that are only supernatural. Amen. And so what God is doing in this church is only supernatural. The miracle that Brother David shared with y'all about this God doing this building is only supernatural. There is no rhyme or reason. Amen. And, and I found out a whole lot more yesterday talking to this guy. I mean, he's supposed to be on two jobs right now, big jobs, and they, get, they got the bolts wrong. He said, I told, he said, I told my wife, I ain't got time to go there. He said, I, I, ain't, I ain't got time to go there. He said, I got tired of hearing Jason Howell call me. He said, I told him I was done. <laughs> he didn't really say, he said, I told Jason no more. That's what he was saying. He said, <laughs> And uh, it was really funny, but he said, he said, I had two big jobs. He said, the bolts were wrong on one, and the dirt for the concrete was wrong on the other. He said, I couldn't do nothing for a week. And God said, you're going to go build that church. <laughs> Amen. I'm telling you, it's a supernatural work. Amen. It's a supernatural work. Hallelujah. So I, I want to talk to you about that tonight. I, I, um, I just titled this tonight, Stewardship of a Supernatural Seed. Stewardship of a supernatural seed. Um, I preached a message some years ago here, and just kind of will throw this in here. Uh, a few years back, I, I preached a message: What if Mary, the mother of Jesus, would have had an abortion? Because everything that Mary and Joseph went through back then is why we have abortions today. Because it don't make sense. I'm not ready. I'm not prepared. What are people going to think? All of those things. And so we abort life. And so what if Mary, the mother of Jesus, would have aborted life because it didn't make sense? What are people going to think? What if she would have had an abortion? We'd all be on our way to hell. And so think about if you abort the plan and the purpose that Jesus has for you, how many people will die and go to hell? So God has entrusted us like he did Joseph and Mary to be stewards of a supernatural seed that don't make sense. He's asked us to do that. So Matthew chapter 1, I'll, I'll start in verse 18. I'm going to read out of the NIV tonight. I just kind of like the way that it puts it. If you'll stand with me tonight, let's honor God's word. And It says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary. Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Ghost. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Ghost. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. 
The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and gave him the name Jesus. Lord, I trust that you want to help us tonight, that you want to speak to us tonight. But Lord, the only way that we can even hear is, Lord, if there are things in the way between our ears, that the Holy Ghost would knock it out of the way right now in Jesus' name. If there be any thought, God, that would set itself against your word being preached tonight in this house, by the authority given to us, we pull it down. Every imagination that would set itself against me to deliver the word, any hindrance from hell that would try to distract me from delivering your word, Jesus. This is your word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So, Jesus, we're preaching you tonight. And, Lord, we know that you're greater. You're greater than any hindrance. You're greater than anything that would affect your word. Holy Ghost, I ask for supernatural anointing tonight, Lord, to relay your message in Jesus' name. Amen. Stewardship. Merriam-Webster says that stewardship is conducting, supervising, or managing of something, especially, especially carefully. can mean responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. Stewardship, I'm going to read that again. Conducting, supervising, or managing of something, especially in a careful manner, and response, and and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. So I ask you, are you being responsible with the seed that Jesus has invested in you? What kind of steward are you of the life of Jesus? Ask yourself that. Because a good steward makes good investments. And if you're not investing in the kingdom of God, then you're not being a good steward of what Jesus has put in you. Do we truly believe that Jesus is who he says that he is? Do we truly believe that Jesus will do what he says that he will do? Do we truly believe his word? Are we making timely investments to spend time in God's word? Are we making timely investments to sit still in the presence of God? Do we really believe what Jesus says in his word? Are we good stewards of the call that God has given us in our life? Are we good stewards of church attendance? I'm not just talking about attendance. I'm talking about being a steward of revival. I'm talking about being a good steward of the presence of God. And when I say church attendance, I'm not just talking about checking off a box. I'm saying when you get here, are you being a good steward of why God even has you here? You coming to this altar may not be as much about you. It may be about somebody else. When, when Paul and Silas was in that prison, it wasn't about them. It was about everybody that was around them. Amen. It was about that jailer. They had no idea that jailer. Amen. Had nothing to do with them. It was about that jailer's family that was at their house. Amen. It was about them. You think Paul and Silas could see in that other house when they were tied down in that dungeon in the inner cell? Do you think they saw them? It was greater than them. 
But because they were willing to pray and praise, then there was going to come a day they were going to end up in that jailer's house and they were all going to get born again and they were going to baptize them right there. What you're going through right now in your life is much bigger than you. That new church building next door, thank God for it, but it's much bigger than that. And that new church building, what God's doing here is much bigger than you and I. Don't think you got a handle on it. Don't think I got a handle on it. I don't. Neither do you. This isn't our work. This is God's work. And what God's called you to is God's. It's not yours. So how are you steward in what Jesus has put in you? You see, they could have destroyed this seed that's supernatural in Mary. Joseph could have got rid of it. He wanted to. You can do the same because it's not about us. And when something is greater than us, a lot of times we sabotage it because we can't control it. This seed controls you. This seed controls and dictates the situation and the circumstances. This seed came in at a time that messed everybody up. Now, how would you think, amen, put ourselves in the shoes. Now, this wouldn't ever happen again, so don't try it. <laughs> amen. I said, this won't never happen again. Only Jesus comes through a virgin. Amen. Only Jesus. And so, listen, don't try that. Amen. But here's the thing. Imagine if that would have happened. What if God chose you? He does choose us to carry a supernatural seed. He does. So how are you stewarding that? What are you doing with that? Stewardship. How are you conducting the life of Jesus? How do people see you outside of church? How do people see you in church? How do people see you in church? Amen. I preached this past weekend, Sunday night, about bringing a new cruise, a new cruise of salt. Amen. And, and I, I, can, I, I began to look at those words. That word naught said the water was bad. The King James says, calls it naught. But if you look at the other translations, it is bad. It said the water's bad. I looked at that and you look that word up and you study it. One of the definitions of that water being naught or bad means a vicious disposition. Some of you come in church and you want everybody to know that your disposition, you're vicious and you dare anybody to come talk to you. Your water's terrible. And that causes land to be barren. A vicious disposition. And here's how what we do. I dare them. A lot of times we'll make it so apparent that people see that I'm vicious in my disposition. We do it on purpose to keep people away. And then we get mad because people are away. We make people treat us the very way we don't want to be treated. So how are you conducting this supernatural seed? How are you supervising or managing this supernatural seed? Are you being responsible of what's been entrusted to your care? I can tell you it's a load. This isn't some light thing to know that Jesus has invested in your life. It's not a light thing. The job of supervising or taking care of something. In order for something to grow and mature, you have to feed it. And if you don't feed it, then what's it going to do? It's going to die. You can sit in church and not be fed. You can receive everything that I'm saying and not respond to it. Satan's after the response. You can receive everything, but if you don't respond, what good is it? You'll respond to something. You'll respond to hell when you leave here. We're good at responding to hell. You're going to respond to something. What do you choose to respond to? 
You can say you receive it all night long, but if you don't respond to it, you ain't received nothing. Our response is everything. Why do you think this altar's here? David, whenever he got before Goliath, would it have been one thing just to go? No, he had to respond. He had to respond to what the Holy Ghost put in him. He had to respond to that giant being before him. If you get before the devil and don't respond, that devil's going to kill you. You made your response. Church, listen to me. We have to be on the offensive a lot less than we are the defensive. We're so defensive about everything. But if a person can't store, score offensively, you're not going to win ball games. And if you don't take this gospel out and be good stewards of the seed that Jesus has invested in us, then all you're going to do is be on the defense. You're always going to, well, I got to protect. I got to protect. No, you don't. Share the gospel with somebody. Show love to somebody. Show grace to somebody. Quit getting offended about everything. Quit. You get offended when you're constantly defended. You don't have to defend it. Let God defend it. He's our defender. Amen. He's our defender. Deuteronomy 20 says, don't cut down them trees that produce fruit. He said, cut down the ones that don't produce fruit. And I'll tell you what happens. That tree don't always produce fruit. And it's what we do is take advantage of people and seasons that they're not producing fruit and we chop them down. But that is the very provision in the next season of life that we're going to need them. So we cut people out of our life. What if Jesus would have cut Judas out of his life? Who would have gave permission? This is the man. Put him on the cross. Don't cut Judas out of your life. Let him be Judas. They could give permission to the greatest victories that you've ever known. Because Judas gave permission to the greatest victory mankind's ever known. By a kiss. That Judas kiss in your life could give the greatest permission to the greatest victory you've ever known. But you cut him out of your life and see what produces out of your life. Shimei, walking by David. God used him. God used him. Can I tell you, God will use your enemies. God will use your enemies. The biblical definition for stewardship is utilizing and managing all resources God provides for the glory of God. Are you doing everything that you can do with the seed that Christ has put in you to bring forth the glory of God? Or are you sabotaging the supernatural seed? And the betterment of his creation. You can receive, I ask you this tonight, you can receive, but how will you respond? I love this. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Ghost. Isn't that the way Jesus works a lot of times? Well, this is how Jesus is born. How? Amen. How was he born in your heart? Was it in the best time of your life? Or was it in a messed up situation? This is how Jesus was born. How? I found him in a six by six jail cell. Jesus was born there. Amen. How, how, how about some of you? Where did you find him, Sister Tammy? Where was he born? In you. Was, you. was you in a good place in your life? Oh, no. But he was born there, right? Jesus loves coming in messed up situations to be born. So you could just put your situation right there. I don't know. Now this is how Jesus, I'm just telling you. Now this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married. Oh, she's supposed to get married, but all of a sudden now she's pregnant. Jesus is going to be birthed there. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? 
They're not even married yet. They've never been together. And Mary's pregnant. Are you kidding me? Who's really going to buy into that? Well, think about your situation. Are you kidding me? Jared Jenkins got saved. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Don't you know what he was doing yesterday? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me that Dominique and Caitlin are in church and they, uh, and, and they got married and they're born again? Are you kidding me? Who ever thought that? Who would have ever thought that? Are you kidding me that Cindy Giannotti's born again sitting on the front row in church? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Chris Helms is no longer strung out and wrung out on drugs. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Now this is how Jesus was born. Don't you know people say that all the time? Are you? There's no way. Now this is how Jesus Christ was birthed. They've never even been together. And now Jesus is going to be born there. Come on now. Are you kidding me? See, that's what a lot of us do. We reject the work of God. We reject the supernatural seed because we can't control it. And we say, are you kidding me? There's no way. You can't control this. They couldn't control this. Joseph couldn't control this. And Mary couldn't control this. None of them could control it. So this is how the birth of Jesus came about. I love it when people tell me their testimony. I love it how Jesus comes about in people's life. Amen. It, it, it just baffles me at times. And I just my jaw drops a lot of times. You mean to tell me that's where you got saved? This is how Jesus came about in your life? This is how Jesus came about in your life? If we just all went around tonight, we could all just write that verse somehow. Amen. And I'll tell you, that, that's pretty messed up, isn't it? But God knows what he's doing. Amen. People would look at our life and say, boy, that's messed up. But God knows what he's doing. Amen. And so here's what the Bible goes on. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Ghost. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Can I tell you, a lot of us reject the will of God and the plan of God very quietly. Very subtly. A lot of us won't voice it. As a matter of fact, we will voice the complete opposite. Woo. I said, we'll, uh, we'll voice the com- Well, I'm not walking away from God. I'm just going to take a little break from church. <laughs> no, you're, you're walking away. You're divorcing her privately. You're walking away from the supernatural seed privately. You just don't want to be bold about it and tell nobody. You want to do it quietly. You want to do it very quietly. You want to tell people what they want to hear. You're very good. at. We're all good at telling people what they want to hear. We can say the right things. We can shuck and jive. But in your heart, in your heart, you're doing it privately. You're doing it quietly. And you know your heart. God knows your heart. God knows us. And so Joseph is going to put her away. Why? Because there was something supernatural that he couldn't control and he couldn't contain it unless God does something greater than him. You see, it has to be the work of grace in our life, church. Every one of us will walk away from this because we can't understand it. We don't understand it. It's bigger than us, amen? It's greater than us. It's higher than us. It's deeper than us. All of us would divorce it. We all would walk away from it, amen? We've quit a thousand times, but grace works in me greater. Amen. I can't quit. Why? Jesus won't let me quit. I I try to talk him into it, but he says you can't. 
Hey, man, you can't. You just keep going. How did I make it through that? I don't know. The grace of God did it. Amen. I know I didn't do it. How's that church built? I don't know. The grace of God did it. Amen. God's greater than all of us. I don't know how God's going to do it, Pastor Kent, but I know God's going to do it. Amen. God just begins to bring things together. God will stop a a Coca-Cola plant from being built, mess every nut bowled up on that to build a church over here. Amen. That's what our God will do. I don't understand it. I can't tell you how. People show up here. How did this happen? I don't know. The grace of God just did it. I just know there was a seed that was given and we just had to be good stewards of what God has asked us to steward it. Amen. Well, what's the budget in that? I don't know what the budget of that is. You may budget down the road. I don't know what that budget is. God just said if you'll lend to many nations, you won't have to borrow. I can't put it down on paper. It don't make sense. You cannot steward a supernatural seed and explain it to anybody. God just does it. Somebody praise him. God just does it. And when God does it, guess what? You got to make a lot of room for the grace of God to work. I said, you got to make a lot of room for the grace of God to work. If you don't make room for grace, then you will divorce it every time. I said, if you don't make room for grace, you will divorce it and walk away from it every time. If you get so self-righteous and legalistic and don't make room for grace, then you won't, there's no way that can be done. I'm done. But you got to make room for grace. What is grace? Grace is our greatest teacher. Grace teaches us what to say no to, and grace grace teaches us what to say yes to. Grace does for me what I can't do. Amen. It's a work of the grace of God. How did that happen? I don't know. I, I, can't, I can't touch one area to tell you I, I don't know. I don't know. Grace does it. You can't explain the grace of God. It's, it's unfathomable. It's greater than us. Amen. But you have to make a lot of room for grace. See, if Joseph, listen to what he said, because Joseph was what? A righteous man. Now, if Joseph would have been a self-righteous man, amen, it wouldn't have made room for grace. But even Joseph had something to protect in him. I'm a righteous man, so I got to protect me. If we, if we try to protect ourselves, oh, watch out for your look good. <laughs> look at me. I'm a righteous man. We're a righteous church. You don't make room for grace. You just you try to protect your image. <laughs> Let me tell you what I found about Jesus. He don't care about your image. <laughs> he will wreck your image. <laughs> He will wreck everything that got you through every season of your life before. Jesus will take that and he will break it to pieces and he'll say, now what you going to do? Well, God, I can't do nothing. He said, now I can. (laughs) Because now I'm going to take this clay, I'm going to take this broken pottery and I'm going to put it back on the wheel and I'm going to make you what I've tried to make you my whole life. You kept resisting the working of my hands, but now I've got you right where I want you, Jesse. I got you right where I want you now. This is the work of the grace of God. I got you right where I want you. You're in my hands now. You're not kicking against the pricks. You know, old Paul, he, don't you know he was tormented the whole time? The Bible says from his mother's womb, he was called by the grace of God. And almost, I don't know, some say 50, 55 years on the road to Damascus. For 50 or 55 years, old Saul is just trying to do everything that he can do. And what's he doing? He's resisting the work of God's hand. He's resisting grace. That's what he's doing. But now grace gets him. He says to him, he knew it was the Lord immediately. 
Some of you know God's dealing with you so strongly, but you're not being good stewards of a supernatural seed. You know God's called you. So the first thing that I want to tell you today is we reject the seed of the supernatural. Rejection. I'll put her away because I don't want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. There's rejection. How many of us are rejecting supernatural seed of the Holy Ghost? Because you can't control it. Because we don't understand it. Because it's bigger than us. It's greater than us. It's higher than us. It's deeper than us. Well, there's no way that I can do that. We said this the other day. I believe when we were preaching on suffering the other day. If when you got born again, if God showed you everything that you would have to walk through, every battle, every fight, every trial, or even every good thing that God would use you in. Amen. I guarantee you none of us would say yes to that. We would not say yes to that. Amen. There's no way. Do you think, I mean, I'll just use, I thank God that I get to pastor and preach, but do you think 18 years ago in jail that I'd have been a preacher, been a pastor? No way. If God would have showed me that, I never would have said yes. Never would have said yes to it because I thought, man, you see all the inadequacies of yourself. But grace, you make room for grace. And then grace brings you and forms you into that, to the seed. Amen. So I just ask you tonight, how many of you are rejecting the supernatural seed of the Holy Ghost? Because Joseph, because he was a righteous man, didn't want to look bad, didn't want to make her a public disgrace, so he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So I'm just going to get rid of her. How many of you are doing that with the seed of Jesus in your life? Some of you know that God's knocked on your door for a long time. There's things that God's asked you to do for a long time, but you've never told anybody about it. Very quiet. But God's always knocking. And you're miserable. You're miserable. God's knocking on that door. And he said, I don't want you to be quiet about that. God hates divorce. God don't want us to divorce from that supernatural seed. Amen. God don't want us quietly walking away from things and divorcing that. Amen. God don't want you to divorce the seed that Jesus has instilled inside of you. He don't want you to, dis- to divorce the call that God has placed within you, whatever that call may be. Amen. He don't want us to divorce that. Amen. He's called us, so don't reject the supernatural seed of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Whatever that seed is, don't reject it because when you reject it, it causes abortion. If your body begins to reject the seed that is within you, what's going to happen? You are going to miscarry or either if you take life into your own hands and you have an abortion, then guess what? Then you have just rejected the life that Jesus has placed within you. So if a body starts disagreeing with the life of Jesus, you let bitterness get in there. Barrenness will always follow. You let bitterness get in this church. Barrenness is sure to follow. And let me tell you, if you read the book of Kings, if you'll read where he said, bring me a new cruise and put salt therein, the Bible says the water was bad. Well, everything that drank the water could not produce. It caused abortion. It caused miscarriage. Even the cows, even the sheep, and they couldn't use the water because the land was barren. There was nothing growing. There could be no harvest that was produced on there. Nothing was good. Why? Because the water source was bad. Can I tell you, if you don't drink water, anybody know what happens to you? 
You're going to die. And so water is the source of life. The Bible says in John 7 that there should be rivers in you and flow out of you. Rivers of what? Dying water, right? That's what it says. No, it says living water shall be in you and shall flow out of you. Jesus didn't say they would flow out of him. They said they would flow out of you. Amen. Jesus is that living water on the inside of you. But if bitter water flows out of you, then there's going to be barrenness all around you. We will be barren. And barren and, and bitter waters produce barren lands. You will miscarry and you will abort. But if you put salt in, then can I tell you, everything changes. There will be no more death. There will be life in that land. Amen? There will be life there. Why? Because salt is a healing agent. What has Jesus said in his word that you and I are? We're the salt of what? The earth. Amen? We are to be a healing agent. Do not reject the supernatural seed of the Holy Ghost that Jesus has placed within you. Amen? Verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Hallelujah. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Ghost. She will, somebody say she will, give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Listen to this, verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So if we don't reject the working of the Holy Ghost, then the second thing I want to tell you is we must receive what the Holy Ghost has placed within us. Amen? John 15 says this, that you did not choose me, but I chose you. And when I chose you, I appointed you to do what? To bear fruit. Amen? And so this call and this life with Christ, it isn't about you. Amen? I'm not preaching Calvinism. These people's chosen and these people aren't chosen. Amen? You might as well have an X on your head and an O on your head. Amen. If you believe what, what, what they preach. Amen. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying this that there's many called but there are few that are chosen. Amen. Those that are chosen are those that choose that narrow way. Amen. There's many that choose that wide path but there's only a few that choose that narrow way. Amen. But this choosing of you and I had nothing to do with us. Amen. So let me tell you whenever you talk about people of God you're not talking about them people. You're talking about God because God's the one that did the choosing. They had nothing to do with it. I'll guarantee you, Brother Ken, you never thought you'd be a pastor of a barn church, did you? But God anointed you and he appointed you to go and bear fruit. Amen. I can tell you, everybody needs to pastor for about one week. Amen. Amen. I believe maybe even stretch it out a little bit farther, maybe about a month. I believe everybody needs to bail off in that and you'll have a lot more compassion about who is your pastor. Amen. If it's here or if it's down the road. Amen. I promise you, there didn't nobody choose this. God chose this. Amen. I can assure you this. These women that are going out to preach, they'll face hell all this week and they'll face hell for the next month. Amen. I can assure you of that because hell hates whenever we make up our mind and say, I'm going to walk in the supernatural seed that the Holy Ghost has put on the inside of me. Amen. I tell you, get with anybody that's walking right with God and they'll tell you they know what the devil's breath 
smells exactly like. Amen. Let me tell somebody here tonight, you didn't choose the call of God, so you need to quit rejecting the call of God. It's not about you. If you've been washed in the blood, then the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, this life is no longer your own. You've been bought at a price, and that price was a high one. It is the precious blood of the Lamb. His name is Jesus. He's washed you, and he's called you to go forth and to bear fruit. Listen to me, church. You don't need a pulpit to bear fruit. Amen. We need to be connected to the vine. And if you're connected to the vine, all you got to do is remain there. And if you'll stay there, then I promise you fruit will come out of your life. You don't got to be an evangelist. You don't got to be a title. You don't got to have a pulpit. All you need is to be connected to the vine. If you'll stay connected to that vine, then fruit is surely to be produced out of your life. Somebody praise him. Hallelujah. You didn't choose what tree you'd be connected to or what part of it. You didn't choose that. You know, we was out there looking at that building. Everybody sees the big red iron now going up. Everybody sees that, don't they? But you know what's going to be covered up one day? Those bolts that you put in the ground. They're going to be covered up. But if them bolts sitting right in place, a whole Coca-Cola factory right now can't go up because what? Bolts are out of place. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> You'll never see them bolts again. <laughs> You'll never see them bolts again. But can I tell you, them bolts will be producing some fruit. God told me yesterday, he said, some people's just bolts in the church. They'll never be seen. But if they're not in the proper place, everything will fall down. Everything will fall down. Because about that much of that bolt sticks up, but about that much is in the ground, right? About that much is buried in the concrete. You'll never see it. Only about that much sticks up. But I'm telling you, if every bolt isn't in the proper position, that whole building's going to fall. Everybody drives by now. And they talk about that red iron. Boy, howdy, look how big it is. Ain't nobody drove by and said, how about them bolts in the ground? Come on, somebody. How about them bolts in the ground? Ain't nobody talked about them lately, Brother Buck. Amen. How about them bolts right there? Ain't nobody talked about how pretty they are. Ain't nobody talked about how shiny they are. Ain't nobody, all you can drive by, see how big that church is. Wow. Look at that red iron. Look at that red iron. Look how big that thing is. But I'm telling you this. Some of you, when you're not here, you're the bolt that holds it together. You're the bolt that holds it together. And if you're not here, this whole church will fall down. You need to know that. I'm just telling you. When you're not here, there's parts of you missing. You may feel covered up. You may feel like nobody pays you attention. People may drive by and say, boy, look at that pulpit. Boy, they sure can sing. That worship team sure is good. Thank God for all that. But what about the bolts that are in place that nobody ever sees? What about that? What about the quiet ones that are interceding? Because if they don't, somebody walk through that door and kill everybody in here. Somebody's keeping the devil run out. There's some bolts somewhere hid out in this church, I know. Somebody was praying for me the last four days while I was gone. I got done Sunday morning preaching. I was just empty. I have nothing else to give. But God's grace, I knew somebody began to intercede for me. I don't know who it was. But I know people's interceding. There's bolts in the ground. People interceding for this church. 
Brother David said both services, they said there's no way you could have got everybody in here in one service. Pastor Rod preached. He said, Brother, he said, I can't even begin to tell you what that church meant to me. I'll read to you. Thank you all for loving on him. Thank you for responding with him. He said, you have a beautiful church. It has a very loving spirit. He said, they were truly a blessing. I pray God used me to speak truth to someone. And then he called me. And he began to talk about you, Brother Buck. He just had to be here. God used this house. God used you people to invest in his life. Just know, just know that what you're doing matters. What you're doing matters. God sending people out of this church, it matters. Can I tell you all these churches where we've been at, can I tell you people has been sending money to put that building up? Can I tell you other churches has been sending money because there's fruit being produced out of their churches because y'all are going. Amen. You have to receive it. Listen, John 15, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you. Amen. I read this scripture earlier after that interpretation in tongues. You say, well, I'm not good enough. Well, I can't be used of God. How many of y'all ever said that? It's not about us. The kids at school the other day learned the scripture in 1 Corinthians. Who knows it? God chose the foolish things. What is it, Elijah? Okay. It's all right. God chose the foolish things of the world to what? To, to confound the wise. We don't have to be good. I seen God use that woman that didn't want nothing to do with God the other day. Changed the whole church. Changed the whole church and caused revival to go on for three more days. That's what God can do. That's what God can do. He can use your biggest mess. Here's what Titus 3, 5. He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done. Can you just take a deep breath right there? I don't have to be good to be saved. God don't save good people. He saves sinners. And guess what? He don't make us good. He makes us alive. Amen. God don't make saved people good. You're no good. He's good. Amen. He just makes us alive. He makes dead people live, not bad people good. Amen. That's what Jesus does. Amen. He don't make bad people good. He makes sinners saved. Amen. Then we become saints. Don't, don't say I'm a sinner saved by grace. That gives you an old path to stand on, an old leg to stand on. I get tired of hearing people say that. The Bible don't say that anywhere. That church at Corinth was the most, you, you think we're messed up. Huh. Should have been in that church. I've been there before. Amen. Huh. That church is a mess. Can I tell you how Paul addresses them in the beginning? The saints of God. Then he starts talking about their sexual immorality, their homosexuality. He starts addressing everything. He calls them saints. You're backbiting. He calls them saints, Dana. I'm like, my God. He don't address them as you sinners saved by grace. Now he tunes them up right after that. He said, hey, he said you wish I stayed away. He said, I'm coming to you now. I wrote you a letter or two. You didn't listen. Now I'm here. <laughs> I'm in the house now. Right? You got to have that sometimes. 
He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Ghost, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. What if Mary, the mother of Joseph, would have had an abortion? Well, what if you abort Jesus? Who's going to die and go to hell? The third thing I want to tell you is if we won't reject this seed and we'll receive this seed, can I tell you a supernatural revelation will come through this seed? And can I tell you a supernatural revelation will come to protect this seed? God's going to protect his seed. Can I tell you that? How you know that, preacher? Because the word says this. But after he had considered this. <laughs> hallelujah. Even in the middle after you had considered divorce. Even after you messed up. Who's the first person that came? An angel of the Lord. Can I tell you revelation and visitation still comes even after you have stupid thoughts? Don't you thank God? I said revelation still comes even after you have stupid thoughts. Even after you say stupid things. Even after stupid things are in your heart. Well, I'm just going to walk away from this. Well, I'm just going to abort this child. Well, I'm just going to do this. Well, I'm just going to do that. An angel of the Lord came. Can I tell you, you got to make room for grace. If Joseph would have shut the angel of the Lord out, he would have said, no, 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 I ain't hearing it. No, I'm done. We do that a lot because we don't understand it. You've got to make room for grace. This church, you have to make room for grace. Have to make room for failure. Have to make room for people to mess up. Let the angel of the Lord come back and give revelation because God's going to protect and defend his seed. Amen. God is going to do that. I don't have to defend it. You know what I'll do every time? I'll walk away from it. But God still gives visitation and revelation. Thank God that he does that. God is going to protect Jesus. Whatever he has to do. If he's got to send an angel to our house, God will do it. If he's got to send a phone call like I got today to protect the supernatural seed of God, he'll do it. He'll do it. A lot of people say they won't leave ship to, oh, he's so sweet. <laughs> let, him, let him get in there. <laughs> Amen. Let him give you a stern warning. Amen. It'll kind of wake you up. Well, do you see that in me? Well, I don't right now, but I'm just telling you, it can. That church is carnal, and it'll pull carnal things out of people. Amen. What was God doing? He was sending an angel. A watchman on the wall over my life. You leave this church, your wife ain't with you. I can tell you, hell's attracted to anointing. Hell's attracted to a move of God. That devil will do anything. Amen. That devil will do anything all the time. Get you alone. Attack that mind. All the time. Don't ever think that you're above that devil coming and attacking you. But let me tell you, God will give fresh visitation and revelation to protect his seed every time. Amen. Every time God will visit us again if we let him. God's going to protect his work. Amen. So here's what he says. After he had considered this, thank God that Jesus still visits us even after we mess up. Amen. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David. Do not be afraid. Hallelujah. Do not fear. How many of you fear the, a move of God? Really? You fear the work of God in your life. 
You fear messing up. You fear failure. You fear rejection. And you know, you know, you know, because some of you moved close to God and said, all right, I'm going to answer the call of God now. And the moment you did, somebody hurt you. Anybody ever been there? And, and, and when you got hurt, you said, I, I'm done. Anybody ever done that? I'm done. I got hurt, I'm done. Then what do we do a lot of times? We move. <laughs> well, I won't get hurt over there. Yes, you will. Jesus is going to let you get hurt. To see what you're going to do. You may have, that, that preacher may be prettier than me. May have hair. I don't. But you're still going to get hurt. Why? Because Jesus is going to let you. He's going to say just like he did to Peter. Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. I don't care where you are. Jesus does that. To see what we do. To see how we respond. But I thank God even after we mess up. God still visits us. He still gives fresh revelation. And so I believe that if we will be good stewards of this supernatural seed, then fresh revelation is coming to you and I. Fresh visitation is coming to you and I. I believe God gave me this word to tell you that some of you is fixing to begin to see things in a greater measure than you've ever seen things before. You are going to see Jesus differently than you've ever seen Jesus. I believe that we are about to see visitation in this last hour in ways that we've never had visitation. I believe God is about to give supernatural revelation through his word and into people's lives and I believe we're going to begin to see the Holy Ghost begin to reveal begin to prophesy just like the dry bones we preach that a lot now but what are you going to do when God sends you to the valley to prophesy what are we going to do do we believe it for Ezekiel do we believe it for me that's not prideful but he's going to send us there and what are you going to do are we going to just step and obey God? Are we going to do not fear? Do not fear. Now don't be arrogant. Do not be arrogant. But do not fear the work of grace. Do not fear it. It's bigger than us. Amen. He said, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Ghost. So right here in this moment, Joseph went to Mary and said, we're going home. I don't understand it. That's not my child. The angel of the Lord said it's from the Holy Ghost and I don't need to be afraid. So let's go. So they went home and I don't know exactly how many months she was right there but I believe it was a new work. So let's just say for nine months Joseph had to be a good steward of this seed. Imagine the fights. Imagine the times that Joseph had to go back and remind himself what the angel said. Don't be afraid. I wonder how many times that enemy came to Joseph, that carpenter. <laughs> said, just go use your hands. <laughs> just go build something. God said, no, build this baby. Be a good steward in this house. Be a good husband to Mary. You be here for her even though you don't understand it. Even though you can't comprehend it and you can't control it. I just need you to be a good steward. I just need you to be an overseer. I just need you to be here for Mary right now because don't you know that Mary don't understand that either? Mary don't want to get criticized out in the public. And so Joseph has to be a protector for her. Can I tell you, men, you have to protect the work of the Holy Ghost in your life and in your family. We have to be good stewards of that. Ladies, you have to be good carriers of the seed that Jesus has put in you. You have to protect that. You have to nurture that. 
Amen. Can I tell you women something? You matter in this church. You matter in the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. That woman Mary was the first one that went and told all the disciples. I love to see women used in the house of God. Amen. Don't tell me that you got to sit still and shut up and be quiet and all that. There's some powerful women of God in this house. You matter. God sent two out this weekend. One to Missouri and one to Black Alabama to preach on Mother's Day. I'm telling you God's anointed these women in this house. Amen. These women right back here. Amen. Singing these worship songs. God's anointed you. There's others that are here. You just, when you open your mouth, when you pray, when you intercede, some of you may not be going out preaching, but you're the bolts in this house, and when you pray, God hears, and because you pray, you're holding others up, amen, because your intercessory matters to God, amen. I'm telling somebody, I want to encourage you tonight, whenever you give life, you give birth to that supernatural seed, it matters to God. You may have made some mistakes tonight in this house. You may have been just like Joseph and want to take life back in your own hands. You may have considered walking away. You may have considered stopping. You may have considered abortion. You may have considered miscarrying. You may have considered all those things, but thank God that after you considered even evil things, the God visits us in fresh revelation. He'll send an angel of the Lord to say, stop what you're doing. Don't you dare touch that seed. Don't you dare abort that life. Don't you dare walk away from the call of God. Don't you quit now. We're almost at the end of this thing, church. Are you with me tonight? I said we're almost at the end. And if you only knew what was on the inside of you and what's about to be born, there's no telling. All they had was God's word because he will save his people from their sins. Can we just be people of the word? It's Word Wednesday. Can we just be people of the word and say, at his word, at his word, just at his word. They had to be good stewards of that, Sister Tammy, because this seed in you, you, you don't even, you can't even hear his heartbeat. You don't have what you have now. They didn't go see it, get an ultrasound and see a cross. <laughs> My God, that might preach. They didn't see a cross. They didn't see a tomb, an empty tomb. They didn't see Jesus. They didn't see me and you. They just saw a messed up situation. She ain't been with nobody. She's a virgin, but she's pregnant. They didn't hear no heartbeat from an ultrasound tech. They didn't see no life. They just knew, don't you touch it. Don't you touch it. You be a good steward of this seed because whenever he's born, he's going to die and save people from their sin. If you only knew what was in you, What's going to save people from their sin? Would you treat it a lot different than what you have to this point? Would you treat the seed of Jesus a lot different than the way you've treated it to this point? Because one day, every one of us, you'll give an account for this word tonight. And one day, you'll stand before Jesus. And either you'll have crowns to lay at his feet, or he'll say, depart from me, you work of iniquity, or you'll be empty-handed. And he's going to say, remember I brought you them people, but you wasn't a good steward of the seed that I gave you. Remember whenever you gave up? Remember when you walked away? Remember when you didn't trust my word? Remember when I told you there were people that were going to come to me through your life, but you didn't heed that? You went back to your addiction. You went back to your old life. I love what Sister Amanda put. Lot's wife came out of Sodom, but she didn't get Sodom out of, out of herself. She looked back. 
Some of you under the sound of my voice, you're looking back to your old ways. You're looking back to Egypt tonight, and you know it sure as anything. Let me tell you, God, will your sins will find you out. God will always expose. Always. If you're going, uh, I don't know who's going to play, Brother Russell. I think I stole your glasses tonight. Y'all do me a favor. I got one last point. but So I was in a hurry catching my plane to, plane to get home the other night. We were delayed a whole lot. And I jumped off the airplane in Atlanta to get on my other one to get here. And I was making some notes for the week and upcoming weeks. And all my sermons in my book from last year, what I just preached this weekend, are all left on the plane. Y'all pray I get that back. It just just messed me up. And so I really want to get that. So y'all pray for me that we get that. Amen. I love what Russell said. He said, if God can make an axe head swim, he can get my sermon book back. Amen. Um, The last thing I want to give you tonight is how will you respond to what's been said? Um. Verse 24 says this, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. I love this, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Wow. God's going to let you name your seed. (laughs) If you're a good steward of it. Can I tell you every animal that came to Adam? Can I tell you under the unction of the Holy Ghost? Can I tell you what he did? He named it. And can I tell you every animal got in line? You can't tell me God don't know what he's doing. An alligator was right behind a puppy dog. Never touched it. Don't tell me God don't know. What Adam spoke, it was named. Joseph named his seed. What if he would have killed it? His name will be Jesus. What's he going to name it? You see, God has prophesied promises over your life. (laughs) Sometimes we just forgot about them. But Joseph and Mary made up their mind because fresh revelation came to them. And how that baby's born, he said, now what's he going to do with this seed? Imagine the situation that Jesus was born in, rejection. You can't stay here. You can't have this baby in this motel room. There's no room for you, so you got to go to a manger. Imagine how they must have felt. Can I tell you, when you give birth to the seed, don't mean it gets easier. It's a lot of rejection in the seed. A lot of pain. But it's worth it. 33 years old, that Mother Mary had to see that seed. Look down from that cross. Say to John, behold thy mother. But there was a day that mother beheld that Jesus. 
She was a good steward of that seed, even on the cross. Now, I don't know of any of us that would sit back and say, yeah, you know, a lot of us, mama bear, papa bear, we want to defend that seed, don't we? You see, but Mary was just asked to be a steward of the seed of Jesus for 33 years. 33 years, even on the cross. She had to let him go. How many of us would just let one of our babies just be nailed to a tree and beat and crucified and hung there, spit upon? We'd want to defend that, wouldn't we? Even Peter tried to defend the cross, but Mary, the mother of Jesus. I bet she thought at that cross, man, if we'd have just had an abortion way back, I wouldn't be feeling what I feel right now. The devil will always try to put regret in your mind for being a good steward of supernatural seed. Always try to put regret there, Sister Amy, always. But Jesus is so good. And he's just saying to us, maybe what you're facing right now is uncomfortable. But this Jesus was fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy 700 years some of you think you've been waiting a long time for a promise to be fulfilled if God said it, it will be if you do what God says do with the seed that he gives you to do it with what if they would have sabotaged that seed wouldn't have been Isaiah's fault. It would have been their fault. What if words have been spoken over your life? They don't come to fulfillment. We blame the prophet. But what if you sabotaged the seed because you did what you wanted to with it? What if Mary, the mother of Jesus, would have had an abortion? Or better yet, because she didn't. But what if you do? What if you do? Because some of you are doing that right now. Some of you, your mind's been made up. You said it's too hard. It costs too much. Every time I've moved forward with God, hell's always fought me. Somebody's always hurt me. Somebody's always pushed me back. The enemy always came. It just wasn't worth it. I just can't do it. Some of you's there right now. Every head bowed and every eye closed. How you truly received the word tonight will be evident in your response to it. So how many of you are here tonight and you say, I have moved into the things of God at times but rejection hit me and I don't like being hurt and the fear of rejection has determined your destiny and you know it has and you're ready to confess that and put that behind you and move forward with God would you just lift up your hand if that's you
thank you. Some of you fear failure. And your fear of failure has dominated your destiny. Because pride causes you and says you don't want to fail. And if that's you, I want you to lift your hand. failed so many times and it hurt people didn't it you're tired of hurting people as a church that Jesus is just asking us tonight despite failure despite rejection despite what others think or say despite what's happened the last 10 years I want to steward the seed some of you tonight you have made some stupid decisions and you feel like Joseph even after he considered but you're ready for a fresh visitation if that's you I want you to come 